Welcome back to the Dirty Water we're Fantasy back. Podcast. We're back. We're, back. we're back. Episode four. We have such an awesome show today. Before we get into that, the last time we saw each other before today was Sunday at your place. Yep. We went there. We had bagels, like some nice Jewish boys, bagels and lox. Little schmear, like little lox. Well, yeah, of course. Know, we were seeing, we visit, you know, our, our good friend Shmuel was visiting. Shout out to Seidelbaum. Shout out Shmuel. Shout out Shmuel. And th- we've we've done th- things like that at your place before. That was probably the the lowest energy event of those sorts that we've had. I feel like. Oh yeah, but we were, I mean we were beaten up for good reason. Ever, Can we yeah. talk about what the what the plans were on Saturday <laughs> as to why why we did that? Yeah, I, I so you 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 go first. What did you do on Saturday? Yeah, of course, Harpoon Fest. Probably the best day of the year from a Boston standpoint. <laughs> so you say. I firmly disagree with that standpoint, but you're wrong in that sense. I don't have to tell you. That's marked on the calendar, like when it comes out on the uh, on the Harpoon Fest website. What is Harpoon Fest? So, local brewery in Boston, um, Harpoon Brewery. Uh, if, if you're not familiar, Harpoon is, I think, a pretty well known uh, beer brand, and then UFO is their other pretty well known one as well too. So every year. They do a couple events um, in their parking lot, pretty much. They set up like tents and stuff, and you buy tickets, and you get your squad together, and, and you go, and you drink, and you have a good time. And it is always popping from across, like they get people from across the Boston social scene. It is just a scene. It's a place to be, and I love it every single year. Yeah, and you invited me, and I was and I was like, a loser. And... No, I don't want to. I don't want to hate myself that day. And then instead, what I did was I hung out with my cousin who lives in Boston. And her name is Jamie. Shout out to Jamie. And she was like, oh, I saw this thing online called the Mimosa and Margarita Festival. And so I didn't really think about it, right? I didn't read about it. She said, I want to do this. So I said, awesome, bought tickets. If I had read about it, I would not have gone. But I was optimistic. What it ended up being was any other bar crawl in the North End. And I've done a lot of bar crawls in the North End. They are literally all the same. And also, every single bar in the North End is the same. They have the same people, the same layout. They play the same music. We listened to um, WAP by Cardi B about four times in a span of three hours. Wow, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was pretty sick. The 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 lone bright spot was the that margaritas were discounted. They were about four or five dollars depending okay. on which bar. That's pretty good. Which was pretty sick. Except, oh, their water. Yeah. So basically, what we're trying to say is, Miles had an authentic Boston bar crawl <laughs> experience on Saturday. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I had fun, which is fine. Like you know, <laughs> to each their own. But the point is, we both had a very Boston drink, a, a drinking heavy Boston week, a dirty water weekend one might say amen we had a we had a dirty water weekend and then we saw each other sunday squatted up and everyone was dead everyone was tired we're no longer at the age where we can if we if i drink for an extended period of time one day 
I'm out of commission for at least two weeks. Oh, I need to take shit. off like four days of work. Yeah. Go on vacation. I'm just sore in random places <laughs> yeah, as well, too. Exactly. <laughs> Can't eat anything. It's a mess. Yeah. But we had the bagels. It was awesome. We thought about talking fantasy that day, and then we kind of were both like, nah. Yeah. We're tired. Yeah, we're tired. Which, which, by the way, probably a first for us. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how tired we You've were. We've had some late nights in your apartment talking fantasy football. Very, we really should have been in bed. But. Very late nights. So it, it, because we missed that that opportunity to talk, we missed the opportunity to talk about a lot of very fantasy-relevant news yeah, that has broken in the last week or, and a half. A lot of things have transpired. Mostly bad. Yeah, mostly bad, unfortunately. So so let's get into it. Um First one, we're going to go chronologically. Cam Akers tore his Achilles, is expected to miss the full 2021 season. We, I, I'm so upset about this, and we didn't even get an opportunity to talk about the fact that I was so high on Cam Akers. Yeah. And, like, you and I talked about it off air. Of course. We haven't talked about it on the podcast. Cam Akers was my guy. Yes. I, since the end of last season, in, I was constantly texting group chat like, oh my God, Cam Akers looks so good in this playoff game. Looks so good in that playoff game. I'm drafting him everywhere next year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, can confirm for the record that Miles was fully in on Akers this Yeah, season. I was fully in on Akers, prob- higher than most. And I know that he was kind of like a bandwagon guy who was gaining steam. But sure. I feel like I was but part of that. But flag before. pretty early. Exactly, exactly. So uh, f- very, you know, speaking on a personal level, I'm really upset about it because he was someone I was looking forward to having on a lot of my teams this year. Yep. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But talk to me about the implications for Acres, and and first talk to me about if you have him in Dynasty, what does that mean for his value? This, in, what does this injury mean for his value, and and what would you personally be doing with him if you have him on your team? I. I don't think you can do anything except hold Acres right now. His value has, from a dynasty standpoint, probably has never been lower than what it is right now. Maybe there were stretches early, early last season when he was doing nothing on the Rams where he was getting close to this. But this is a quickly depreciated asset right now. Gotta have some faith that he'll get healthy and and get over this injury. Hopefully, you know, to start the following season and. And you know, hold and and keep him on your team until then. Is there is there a different path that you think is the way to go here? No, you you can't sell him because, like you said, you'd be selling very low. And also, don't buy him. Don't go out and try to make a trade for Acres. Um, as much as I believe in him, believed in him and the talent and the opportunity, running backs do not recover from torn Achilles. There are no examples that I know of of a, a player being good for fantasy and then tearing his Achilles and coming back and continuing to be good for fantasy. Um, I have some statistics to back that. In, in 2013, NFL.com did a study. They said, our research concludes that no running back has ever recaptured sustained pre-injury form after rupturing an Achilles tendon. That was back in 2013, so some time has passed. Another 2017 study looked at Achilles tears in the NFL between 2010 and 2015. There were 78 of such ruptures. Um, 26% of players who ruptured their Achilles during this time frame never returned to play in the NFL. So Cam Akers has a 25% chance, 26% chance of never even returning to an NFL field. And running backs saw the biggest decrease in production with a 
5% decrease over three years post-injury in both power ratings and approximate value. What that means in layman's terms is running backs are bad after they tear their Achilles. It's a it's a career-altering injury and career-altering f- for the worst. Can I just say that was very impressive research before I talk about... <laughs> I, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, Achin- Achilles injury is no surprise to anyone it's uh it's potentially the death bell ringing for for a running back that whose job it is to to run and catch passes and things um but again to to put a point on this if you have acres holds unless you are getting him for absurdly cheap don't don't go by right now from a yeah and, and i'm talking about you know like Tariq cohen you know if that's the price that you're paying that might sure. even be high for me i think at this point <laughs> and Oh God! Yeah, that's a I whole mean, other conversation. I, my point is, you know, I don't even think I would trade a third rounder for him. No, no, God, no. So that's really all we have to say about that. It, it sucks. What are the implications for the rest of the Rams? So, so as of now, McVeigh has no plans. McVeigh is the the head coach of the Rams. He has no plans of adding another running back. That's what he said. You know, that remains to be seen. We'll see, but. Um, as of now, Daryl Henderson is the starter. Do you have thoughts on him or um, potentially Xavier Jones, who's the undrafted free agent who's backing him up? Well, first off, let me say that I'm not really a believer in Sean McVay usually, but that that makes sense. There's really not a lot of RBs out there in the market that fit the Rams mold in terms of what they're looking for when it comes to speed, catch pass, you know, pass catching ability. Um, so in this case, until I hear otherwise, I probably will believe that. Daryl Henderson is the incumbent starter until we hear otherwise. Yep. You know, for me, Daryl Henderson need to figure out a little bit of, and I think we need to see it a little bit in terms of what this split might be in the, in the preseason, if a split is even the correct word for it. Um, but Daryl Henderson is is slated to get a ton of volume in a pretty good offense. That pretty much automatically puts you into at least an RB2 territory. I don't think he's going to have the upside of maybe the higher-end RB2, you know, talking about, like, RB13, RB14 guys. But if you, you know, are a later pick in, like, the fourth round, or maybe later in the third round even, and you need a guy that you can just trust as your RB2, Henderson might be might be a pretty good option for you when it comes to when it comes to draft time. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. He he showed at the beginning of last year that he can be a reliable fantasy asset or a, or at least a somewhat reliable fantasy asset when given the opportunity. Yep. I'm not as high on him as I was Cam Akers because I don't believe that he's as talented a running back and one that that is going to hurt his fantasy production because he's not going to get as many yards and and touchdowns and and, and he's not as much of a playmaker but also there's a chance that you know the rams also realize that he's not a as talented a running back and therefore they shift their game plan to be more of a passing offense at least more heavily than they were originally planning with acres sure so with that said what are there? Do you believe that that's the case? And if so, what are the implications for the passing game? Yeah, well, let me first state, before we get into the passing game super quick, sure. Xavier Jones is a straight-up wild card, but towards the end of your draft, you're going to be taking running backs especially that are lottery picks, and maybe you know, maybe Xavier Jones is James Robinson or Miles Gaskin part two from, from last season. Yeah. And if you hit on him, you know, after taking him in 
whatever he ends up costing, an eighth, a ninth, maybe later than that even. Way later than that. Xavier Jones? He's not going to go until the very late rounds, the high, te- the, the mid-teens, we'll 13s, see, 14s, 15s. We'll see. I mean, we yeah. have to get through preseason. True, if, true, if there's true. looking like a split here, then that, that, may, that will shift his value true. up um, and make him more expensive. But again, even maybe not 8th, ninth, but if we're talking in the early teens, you want to throw a, 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 a flyer on, on Xavier Jones? Hey, go, go for it as far as I'm concerned. With regard to the passing game, I don't think there's a huge impact on any of these guys for me, really. Um, you are drafting... Woods and Cup to be solid wide receiver twos. Anyways, I don't think they're going to really shift in terms of the tier a whole lot for me. Maybe Higby moves up a little bit in my rankings because, you know, out of that backfield, Akers was going to catch some passes. Um, from a short yardage standpoint, you know, maybe Higby becomes a little bit more relevant. And we do know that Stafford does like to look at a tight end. Hawkinson is is a appreciating asset right now, even with, you know, Jared Goff throwing to him. So, those three guys, not a whole lot of impact. Higby maybe up a little bit for me in terms of in terms of value. Yep, I was gonna say the exact same thing. I think Higby gets a bump. I know we are both already high on him, yep. probably higher than than consensus. Yep, and I think he gets a little bit of a bump for the 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 sort of dump off situation. Sure. That, that Akers would have gotten. And generally speaking, get me a piece of this offense. I yeah, want to of be course. associated with Rams players. That has not changed with Akers going down. Agreed. Next big piece of news, Michael Thomas Yuck. underwent ankle surgery in June and will be sidelined for 10 to 12 weeks. The expectation is for him to miss about four to six weeks of the regular season, though the specific timeline is yet to be confirmed. This was a very weird situation because we knew that he was he had in, deal, dealt with this injury last year, but it felt like he could have gotten this surgery at any point during the offseason. Yeah, the Saints are rightly pissed about this. What yeah. the hell's going on here? Yeah, and for some reason he waited until June, which clearly is going to sideline him for yeah. at least some time, even if he somehow makes it to the very, you know, you know he, he is able to start week one. He's going to miss all of preseason. Yep. So it, it just doesn't really make sense for that reason. Do you think that there are any... Do you think that there's any reason to believe that this was an intentional move to spite the Saints and because he's dissatisfied with the staff or or his contract or anything along those lines? I mean, maybe he doesn't like playing for New Orleans, but Thomas has a pretty huge contract, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's one of the top paid wide receivers in the league. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't really get this one. Um, Look, sometimes NFL players are stupid. Uh, Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the case exactly from Michael Thomas, but unless there was something that we don't know, and that's, of course, very possible, it doesn't make sense why this was not taken care of earlier. You know, the Saints should have shut him down a lot earlier last season than they did. Um, and maybe this is maybe this is Thomas getting back, but, n- but no, for not that- worth speculating. And, and from a fantasy standpoint, I, I can't really do a whole lot with that information anyways. Yeah, exactly. I, I- this this feels like a situation where we're going to learn more at some point. There will sure. be more news to come out later, but yep. for now we don't have that. Does it change his value in Dynasty at all for you? Um, no, his value was impacted by Drewby's retiring, okay. and it shifts maybe a tiny bit towards the negative here. Um, I don't think we are in Michael Thomas's injury-prone territory yet, but... 
this is now back-to-back seasons where he'll have missed significant time. That is a bit concerning from a dynasty standpoint. Yeah, and, and frustrating more than anything Yes. Else. Yep. Where, uh, uh, let's assume he misses four to six weeks. Okay. Where do you feel comfortable taking him in redraft? I don't. Um, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this uh, when this news came out, and I I wasn't very confident about Michael Thomas to start. This was I think he's ADP wise in like the twenty four twenty five range. I think he's before the injury at least was available. Yeah, towards the back half of the second, early third, yep. and was not a player that I was going to take there. There's guys that probably like Justin Jefferson, like Allen Robinson, that may have a, a lower floor than Thomas, even if, if Thomas played up to his full potential and that passing game is as good as what it was, but felt a lot more safe to me, and, and I was leaning towards those guys anyways. This, I think, is going to be a case where his ADP might end up in like the you know late five, early six or something like that, and someone can and probably someone should take a shot at him but it's not going to be me because I don't think his value is going to be cheap enough. And and by that, I mean, like, I don't think he's going to get to like the eighth and the ninth. And that's where I would probably start to take a look and say, okay, you know, what, what's my value here for 10 weeks of Michael Thomas? Yeah. If you draft him, I, I agree that that, that'll probably be around his price fifth or sixth round. And if, if you draft him there, you are foregoing probably a really good receiver, yeah. or maybe your RB three, a good tight end, for someone who's going to ride your IR spot for four to six weeks, right, which is is tough to do, you know, and has some questions back. when he comes back too. That's the other thing as well. I am more confident. Um, he was, I think, I think I had him as my wide receiver seven or eight before the injury. So I, I am confident in his um, ability to produce this year for fantasy. But I agree. It, it, he would have to drop fairly far for me to be willing to take him. Are, are you drafting him or Odell? Odell. Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry? That one is tougher. Okay. Um, if if I need a floor, I'll probably take Jarvis. If I have some wide receivers, perhaps I took someone in the second who I really feel confident about as my wide receiver one, I'm willing to take a little bit more boom bust and... I mean, it's going to be bust for the first, whatever, six weeks of the season. Thomas becomes a more attractive asset. Michael Thomas or LaVisca Chenault? Thomas, because I don't know what that offense is going to look like in, in okay. Jacksonville. So we're probably talking about the eighth-ish round is yeah. where you're willing to take him. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Are you interested in any of the other receiving options for the Saints? Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, Marcus Callaway, Adam Troutman? Yeah, I'm obligated to be interested for to yeah. some extent. But Who? Yeah, I don't know if I have a take on that right now. Yeah. Um, Traquan Smith seems to be the incumbent, from from what I can understand. He, he's um, the most tenured. Yeah, and and you know it's unfortunate that Emmanuel Sanders has moved on because if he was still on the roster, and I know we're playing hypotheticals here. If 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 Manny Sanders was still on the team, he becomes a very attractive asset for at least the first couple of weeks of the season, for sure. Um, yeah, I will have to take a look at some of these guys. Um, we have, you know, Dante Harris, Marquez Calloway, as you said. Um, and we'll have to also see what their draft price ends up being. Right. Because I'm certainly willing to take a flyer um, 
to me, I'm not interested in Deontay Harris, but Traquan Smith, because he's the incumbent, like you said, Marcos Callaway, because I've, I've read some interesting takes on his profile. Yep. Um, to me, Adam Troutman is actually the most appealing of the receiver group. He's the tight end for those who don't know. And I believe that he gets a bump. I was already kind of high on him because mm-hmm. of his ability to potentially become the number two receiver yep. or really the number three receiving option because of Kamara there. Right. But so I was already interested in him as a, as a late, as a later round tight end. Now I become a little bit more interested. Yeah. And we also have to remember too, that Thomas is not really a field stretcher. He's a big guy, but yes, Thomas was getting you eight to 10 receptions a game for whatever, 70, 60, 70 yards. And his floor was kind of 15 to 16 points because of, because of that. If he caught a touchdown, that's when you had your, your boom weeks. Um, so they're probably to to your point. There probably should be some targets vacated underneath. On a side note here, bump to Kamara because coming out of the backfield underneath, he he just has even more volume potentially for the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, he's likely to be their number one receiving option. Yes, do if you, he wasn't already, he right. is more certain to be the number one receiving option. Do you then also give a bump to Latavius Murray? Kamara goes out wide more, so Latavius Murray gets more run. I don't recall the Saints doing enough to running back sets for that really to be the case. But what if they just use Kamara as a receiver? Yeah, that's possible. But I, I need to, unless they show that in preseason, I need to go with the information that I have, or unless that's reported that they're they're looking to, to split Kamara out wide in the slot or something like that. Um, you know, maybe Kamara gets more work, and as a result, they want to rotate in, you know, on running plays more frequently, and Latavius gets a bump there, but... That's a pretty small bump right now, and it's speculative at best for me. Okay. Uh, I feel fairly confident that, that that will be the case. I gave Latavius a, a little bit of a bump in my okay. rankings. Not, you know, nothing crazy, but I think he, he now becomes a more appealing mid to late round running back. Yeah, and I'll say I like Latavius as well, too. He is the yeah. elitist of elite handcuffs from from that standpoint. Yep, you're always a Latavius guy. Yes. Um, on the quarterback side, I saw some interesting takes that this may actually sort of shift the Saints towards Taysom Hill. For, for those of you who don't know, there's sort of a quarterback, an open quarterback competition between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill for the starting QB job in, in New Orleans. I saw some interesting takes that say this sort of shifts the, the, the probability towards Taysom because the Saints might want to utilize their running game more, mm-hmm. and Taysom is sort of a running back. Yeah. Right? They sort of you know, you use him as a wildcat quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so to me, if Taysom ends up being the starter, he gets a little bit of a bump because of what I just said, he's going to get some rushing opportunities. And as we talked about in the last episode, rushing quarterbacks are a cheat code. And just the, 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 the other side of the coin there is if Jameis does end up being the starter, it hurts him because his, he no longer has his number one passing option. Of course. Um, throw a percentage on it in terms of who you think is going to be a starter. Likelihood? Yeah. I would say 65-35, Taysom. Wow. Okay. I, I still think Jameis ends up as the starter there. Really? Um, I, I still don't really understand why they're paying Taysom the amount of money they are. I understand he's an interesting weapon, and around the goal line he's proven to be effective, but he's making a lot of money for at least what his role was, and... Maybe that is an indicator of their intention to involve him more in the offense. But for right now, I feel that Jameis will be the quarterback when it comes to week one. Okay. 
Last big piece of news, the Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers saga is finally over. He has reported to Packers training camp. Let, let's start with the fantasy implications for Rodgers himself. Real-life football, real quick. Do we expect him to be in Green Bay next year? Mm. This year, he's in Green Bay, 2021 season, to be clear, but for 2022. Do you know what his contract is? Does he have one more year on his contract? I believe so. I would have to check that. So if you're a team like the Broncos that have a stacked roster and I think their quarterback is going to suck this season because it's Drew Locke, um, yep. go go give up some assets to get Aaron Rodgers on your team for one season and make a run at the Super Bowl. I don't know if Rodgers is going to be willing to do that. Going to Denver is not like Brady going to Tampa to play in the sunshine for the entire year. Um with no sales tax as well, um, or no income tax as well. But mm, I think no. I think Rodgers knows that this is his last season. That's why his initial press conference was so blunt. Um, and he knows who he needs to impress, and those were his guys on the field, and he absolutely did that. Um, but no, I think my guess would be that they move on from Rodgers next year and try and go to Jordan Love, who they seem to like. I assume we both have Rodgers as um, so somewhere between QB 5 and 10, probably. Yeah, doesn't have the running upside of those typically top five, but has a rocket arm and just came off an MVP season. Yep. Does this lock in Devontae Adams as the wide receiver one off draft boards for you? Absolutely. Devontae, I don't know. I didn't really spend a whole lot of time because it was so up in the air figuring out where Devontae would have fallen if Rodgers hadn't come back. Tyreek is an awesome option. I think he should be the two off the board. But Devontae, and um, this is a stat from, I think, like Mike Taglier from from Fantasy Pros, um, who's a, a, a guy who I like and listen to. Devontae is like like a wide receiver one, something crazy, like two-thirds of the time. It's it's not even close between him and the next guy. Um, and from a first-round draft You mean pick, on a weekly basis? On a weekly yep. basis. Devontae is like is a wide receiver one, two-thirds of the time. And... and in your first first round pick, getting that consistency and also that value, those points on a week to week basis is hugely, hugely valuable. Take Devontae as the wide receiver one. Agreed. Any dynasty implications for him if Rod if Devontae is on Green Bay in twenty twenty two, Rogers is not there, he definitely gets a downgrade. Yes, but he has to. For now, I think you still have to treat him as a top tier receiver even if it's just for one year because of how dominant he can be. Yeah, I, I would not be trying to shop Devontae right now. No. Um, we haven't seen Devontae play with a bad quarterback. That is that is something that's interesting where guys like Allen Robinson have been stuck on teams with pretty bad quarterback play and managed to produce. So if somehow Allen Robinson in the future ends up on a team where a quarterback like, God, I mean, Mahomes, that would be, that'd be like a wet dream for me. Um but it, we'd expect the the ceiling to go through the roof for him. We haven't seen Devontae play with really bad quarterback play, so I think he has to get a downgrade. But don't don't move Devontae right now. Yeah, and, and just to caveat that, when we say don't don't move him, you know, always you should always be always. listening to offers. Sure, but 
what we mean is you'd need to get a very, very, very good offer to move him. Don't actively try to get him off your roster, but yes. if someone comes to you with, you know, six first-round picks, sure. Okay, dynasty standpoint, would you trade Devontae for Calvin Ridley right now? God, that's a great question. I would probably do that. I think I would rather have Calvin Ridley because he's a few years younger, and I assume that he's going to be with Matt Ryan for another couple years, who we at least know likes to air it out. Yep. And I think he has the potential to be just as good, if not better, than Devontae this year. Devontae's a little bit safer. Yeah. What about Devontae or A.J. Brown for fantasy? Devontae. That one is really, really close for me. I'm, I'm with you on Ridley. All right, just something to think about. Yep. That's but that's the kind of trade where yep. you'd have to con- you'd, you'd want to consider it because yep. again, Devontae probably will be the better asset this year, but those guys are younger and probably offer you more long term value. Any interest in the other receiving options besides Devontae? So we're talking about Randall Cobb, who they just traded yep. the Texans, who who they just traded for with the Texans, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon at tight end. Yeah, I think we have to be interested. We're always been interested in the wide receiver, or the, I should say receiving, second receiving option on Green Bay. That's been extremely frustrating over the past couple of seasons because it seems to vary week to week. Alan Lazard has at times seemed to be that option. We had Equiminius St. Brown pop, I think, a couple a couple weeks. Yeah, MVS. Um, MVS. Tanyan did well with his opportunities. I think he will be a... He has to be in the top 12 tight end conversation I, as a result. Um, I'm not positive that he's in my top 12. He He's like the number one regression candidate. He scored touchdowns at a, at a ridiculous rate. Sure, But yeah, I agree. But you we know, know how much Rogers, Rogers liking you matters from a receiving yes. option standpoint, and he seems to like Tanyan. Yes. I, I think, though, that Randall Cobb coming in, will hurt both Lazard and Tunyon a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm i on the same page with you. Like, it, 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 I have interest in them, but again, as always, it depends on their draft price and, and uh, depends what you know other news we get out of training camp. Randall Cobb to me feels like a, almost like a Jamison Crowder, and I know that's yep. the, probably because there's similar uh, roles as well yeah. too, but a guy like in the 13th or 14th that if they're still there, I will throw a flyer on because if their quarterback happens to like them more than we think and their volume is higher than we think, become, you know, a fill in my flex option on a week when I have a lot of buys or something like that. And then Aaron Jones running back slots into, at worst, the RB8. I think he's higher than that. I, I was I was going to be in on Jones, I think, regardless of this. Um Look, the A.J. Dillon situation of, of him being there is still a little scary, um, but this is going to be very similar offense to, to last season, and last season Aaron Jones crushed it. So draft Aaron Jones in the first round is, is my takeaway here. Agreed. All right, that does it for the major news. The one other piece of information that we should talk about super briefly is the Carson Wentz injury. He injured his foot. This is news that came out today. Yep. There's potential that he needs to get surgery. There's potential that he misses a few weeks, but the report is basically that if he does miss a few weeks, it will only be a few weeks, and it is not season-ending by any means. 
I think I already didn't love the idea of drafting Wentz for redraft, and now if he's going to miss time, definitely do not. Yeah, I think that's a take right now, and we'll wait to get more information about what the duration of the injury is shaping up to be as well. For sure. And if there's any other information, we'll keep you updated. Yep. All right. Uh, it's so draft time, baby. So we are going to do our very first mock draft live on this show. The way that it's going to work today is Chandler and I are actually going to be on the same team. So we're drafting out of the same slot, and we uh, randomized it before the show. We are drafting out of pick five, the 105. Um, we have a 12-team PPR situation. We're drafting on Sleeper. And the roster construction is one QB, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a flex, and then five bench spots. So fairly ran, uh, fa- fairly standard. Um, and let's get into it. Let me make one note. Yeah. I, I like Sleeper. We tend to mock draft on it a lot. There is some weird AI stuff yes. when it comes to Sleeper. You'll, you'll, we'll, we'll do a very quick recap of the top four picks. There's one that makes kind of not a lot of sense, and Sleeper likes their teams to take two quarterbacks, um, even if they have a very good quarterback and, one as and well. And two tight ends. Yeah, ag- ag- agreed. It, you know, it, it, I, I find it to be the best platform just, just sort of interface-wise for mock drafting, but Chandler's absolutely right. that Some, some stuff will fall are... to us, some stuff will not. That's probably unrealistic in, in a real draft with, with competent you know, fellow league, wa- league mates. Agreed. So we started the draft. The first four picks are as follows. McCaffrey, which is normal. Dalvin Cook, which is normal. Kamara at 103, which is normal. And then Tyreek Hill went at 104. Typically, that will be a running back. And honestly, we could, if we wanted to, play it as though... Um, you know, we could we could pretend that a running back did go there, and and the, we don't draft the running back that we think we would have taken. But um, I don't think that that's necessary for, for. I think for the purposes of this, we should just draft the guys who fall to us. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about what you're seeing on the board, and who you're interested in taking. So in the first half of the first round, in my opinion, you have to look at a running back. Devante will be an attractive option in that six to eight range for me, probably. But you are missing out on such important RB value if you do not take a running back that you, you really do need to be doing that, in my opinion. With that in mind, there's one pretty obvious person on the board here in the form of Derrick Henry. That should be our pick. I, I like Saquon. I'm a little worried in terms of the start of the season. Um, there's other guys on the board like Zeke, like Aaron Jones that I think are also fine picks here. But I have been a Derrick Henry non-believer in past seasons, and I am over that opinion. Derrick Henry is my guy here. I fully agree. Drafted him. So after Derrick Henry, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Kelsey went at the 109, Devontae Adams at the 110, or the 110, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Mixon, so 201 is Mixon, Diggs, Eckler, Hopkins, DK, Mahomes, A.J. Brown, and now we're back on the clock. So here, um, there are sort of two picks that I am really interested in. Typically, I like to start running back, running back. Um this is pretty much for the same reason that you said about um, taking running backs in the first half. You can find so much, 
such a great receiver value yep. later in drafts as well as on the waiver wires week to week. You're always yes. going to be able to flex a 10-point guy you know, that you're streaming on matchups. You can't do that for running backs, and that's why we like to play it safe with running backs. So to me, the best running back available is Najee Harris. Uh, the other guy that I think is worth a discussion is Antonio Gibson. Um, and we can break those two guys down. The only other guy I would consider here is Calvin Ridley. Yep. Because to me, Ridley is the end of the tier for elite receivers. Yep. To me, it, that tier is Adams, Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, and then Ridley. After that, I'm totally fine waiting on receiver. Ridley would be the end of the tier here. So 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 talk to me about what you're thinking between Ridley, Najee, Gibson, and then if there's anyone else you're interested in. I am lower on Gibson than you, so for me, the, the decision here is between Najee and Ridley. Missing on Ridley is really, really hard. Um, I don't expect him to fall back to, I guess it's the seventh, the seventh pick of the of the second round if you're drafting 105, um, because to, to your point there, I think pretty much everyone agrees that Ridley is in that first tier, but at the bottom, um, but you said it yourself uh, a minute ago, missing out on RB value when you have the opportunity to take it is really tough to do. And for that reason, Najee is the pick here for me as well. We, we talked about Najee already in the rookie rookie episode. I'm fully in on Najee. Give me that volume um, and figure out who falls to you in the third and fourth in terms of looking at some wide receiving options. All right, we went with Najee. And we also talked about when we broke down Najee about how appealing the Derrick Henry Najee one two punches yes and we got that yep ridley went right after us then darren waller in the second antonio gibson jk dobbins jefferson michael thomas michael thomas will not go that high in real life deandre swift and kittle so i i I almost am relieved when kittle and waller go off the board that early yeah because in the third i it's so hard to pass them up because they're so good yep. and they will help your team so much. But at the same time, it's so hard to pass up the other receivers and running backs who are on the board. Yeah. And so I almost sort of breathe a sigh of relief when I see those guys go off the board. Psychologically, it feels really good to have either your two RB spots and one wide receiver spot filled after the third or two wide receiver spots and, and one really good RB as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So... On the board, what are, what are you seeing? Who are you liking here? So there was actually running backs on the board that I still like here. I am I'm waffling on Ceh right now in terms of his value and where I'd want to take him. Mid third is I'd be interested in Ceh, um, but this is when roster construction starts to matter for us. We have who we think are two really good running backs in our in our pen already, in our stable. So for me, I am going to bump the value of, of wide receivers, and there's two that I'm looking at right here. There is Keenan Allen, um, who performed awesome last season and has a bit of an injury issue. We, we know that, um, but is linked to Herbert, who I think we both like um, and, and believe in, in that performance from last season. And there's also Allen Robinson, who is my guy. I mentioned him earlier in this episode. He is just a guy who produces even with shitty quarterback play. We've talked a little bit about how Justin Fields coming in might affect him. Um, but if in the third round, in the mid-third, 
taking a guy like Robinson is totally valid for me. Yeah, so so I have the exact same thought process. It's so funny how how we <laughs> think so similarly about these things. Yep. I fully agree. Clyde is the end of a tier for me. And real quick, actually, I want to talk super briefly about tier-based drafting. Yep. The, you need to be flexible in your drafts. What I mean by that is you can never lock yourself into taking a certain position, a certain round. You know, don't never say I need to have two running backs and two receivers and then a tight end in the fifth yes. and then another running back. Never do anything along those lines yep. because you are going to suffer. Tier-based drafting is about playing the draft. What I mean by that is right now we are in the third round and I believe that there is one g- guy that I would consider a top tier running back left. That's Clyde. Yep. Receiver wise, I have a lot of g- these guys in pretty much the same tier. So I'm fine taking Keenan Allen here as well. Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper. I like all of these guys. Yes. And I know that the receiver who's going to come back to us in the fourth I'm going to be pretty happy with as my wide receiver one. Sure. That said, um, so so that's kind of my aside on on tier-based drafting. Always consider the tiers. Think about the value that you're getting um, and and think about what the trade-off is if you were to wait an extra round for that position. And one quick example of that is if there is a run on a position, think about if you need to, if you really need to take a player in that position or if because there's been a run on that position, there might be players available at a different position that are are valuable value takes for where you are, and can you give up on taking you know give up on taking an RB in the second if really all those guys that you want are there and probably get yourself a really really good wide receiver. Yeah, and that that's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because there are definitely people listening to this podcast who play in leagues where the kicker is take, you know, Justin Tucker or Harrison Bucker sure. are taken in the eighth round yep. because the what the people in your league do is they draft a QB, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and then they draft their kicker in defense. If everyone in that round drafts a kicker and you are the one person to not draft a kicker, you are getting such, you, you will have such an advantage over the other teams because kickers are very unpredictable and you can get the, the the number one kicker on the season off waivers. You cannot get the number one running back on the season off waivers. No. And so, or receiver. And so this is what we're talking about, about drafting intelligently, thinking about the trade-offs and what you are foregoing, what value you're forego- right. foregoing with the pick that you're taking. Right. Yep. With all of that said, um, I am leaning towards Keenan Allen. Okay. I think that he has higher upside than A-Rob. A-Rob, I think, is super safe. I know he's your guy. Yep. But I think he has higher upside. Um, And I do think that there's a chance that someone like Henderson falls back to us in the fourth. Sure. Which I would be very okay with as our RB3. Yeah, absolutely. I would, you know, I really like the idea of having maybe Keenan Allen and Daryl Henderson over uh, Clyde and, you know, DJ Moore. Sure. For example. All right, let's do it. Okay. So we took Keenan Allen. Next players off the board are Miles Sanders, Terry McLaurin, Josh Jacobs, 
Julio, Mike Evans, Chris Carson, A-Rob, Clyde, so Team 12 got both of them, Yep. Kyle Pitts, Josh Allen, Chris Godwin, David Montgomery, Mari Cooper, Kyler, and now we're back up on the clock. The running backs who fell to us, the only guy I like is Daryl Henderson. He did fall back to us okay. in the fourth. To me, you know, that's an RB2 right there that we're getting as our RB3, um, and we can pretty much just focus on receiver after that um, if we were to take him. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this briefly. I think you never want to be locked into I am taking and a running back in the second round, but it is also okay to have an idea of what you would like to happen in your in your draft because that mm-hmm. provides you some structure and that allows you to be flexible when it comes to actual reacting to how the draft is going. I think for us, and correct me if I'm wrong here, we would like to be out of the fifth round with three running backs on our team. Because it, thins, be nice. because it thins out so quickly at running back compared to wide receiver, having not only the, that one-two, which we have locked up already in the form of Henry and Najee, but having that third guy to fill in as an RB2 if something catastrophic happens during bye weeks as a flex potentially as well too on a week-to-week basis, that feels a very comforting thing for us, I think. And with that with that in mind, there might be some wide receivers here that are really good wide, wide receiver twos. I know your, your guy Cooper, Cooper Cup is on the board still that we're foregoing here, potentially taking. But this is what we're talking about in terms of understanding what you are foregoing and what you are getting by taking a given player. With that in mind, I am fully on board with Henderson. I'd love for a guy like David Montgomery to fall back to me in the fourth. That feels unlikely probably. But if some if a guy like that or Chris Carson or something is coming back to you in the fourth round, strongly encourage you to take it depending on what your roster looks like. I would agree. After Daryl Henderson, who we took, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Travis Etienne, Lamar Jackson, Robert Woods, Mark Andrews, Adam Thielen, Justin Herbert, and we're back up. So... Um, I, I feel good about the Henderson pick now because of the guys who are left, and there's a very easy pick for me here, and that's CeeDee Lamb. I believe that CeeDee has the upside of being easily a top 12 receiver. I think he and Mo- Amari Cooper can easily both be top 12 receivers. Yep. I think his floor is the wide receiver 22, which he finished last year without Dak and as a rookie. Yep. Um, are there any other guys that you're looking at here? Yeah, I I am, I think, lower on Lamb than you are, but still would be very, very happy to have Lamb as my wide receiver too. Some other guys on the board that I think are, are options that in an actual draft I would consider. Jamar Chase, again, yep. I think we believe in the connection there to Burrow. We believe in the talent. A little bit less safe, in my opinion, than CD because he is a rookie and because there are also some really good receiving options in that room in Cincinnati as well. Um, Lockett, just again, a guy who's been doing it for, for so long, not the one anymore. You're not drafting him to be the one on that team. Link to Russell Wilson, a, a really good fantasy quarterback to attach yourself to, but not to belabor the point here, um, fine with taking CD and and now having what we said, having two wide receivers and three running backs on their team after the fifth round. Yep. Um, after CD, Tyler Lockett, Kenny Galladay, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Miles Gaskin, Jamar Chase went, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, Javante Williams. That one hurts. It does. T. Higgins, Melvin Gordon, Brendan Ayuk, DJ Chark, Devontae Smith, 
and we are back on the clock. Um, talk, talk to me about what you're seeing here, because there are a few yes. options that I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um, the first option in terms of I, this is ADP. I'm not, I'm not actually sure how it's how it's um, structured here on Sleeper, but I really do like Hawkinson. Um, I think if I miss out on that top tier of tight ends, I probably will wait because it can feel like a crapshoot. And although I believe in Hawkinson, that offense has changed up pr- pretty substantially. The guys who I'm more interested in here are one, it's it's one wide receiver in the form of Deontay Johnson, um, who I know that you like. And there is another running back on the board here that I like as well, too, in the form of Mike Davis, um, a guy who dropped off at the end of last season in a... Um, replacing or filling in for injured Christian McCaffrey, um, but a guy who doesn't have a lot of competition for for touches on, I think, a pretty good Falcons team. So for me, it's pretty close on this one. Um, Again, roster construction starts to matter here, and for me, I am a little bit less comfortable with our wide receivers relative to our running backs i'm really happy with where we're at from a running back standpoint and that means for me i lean deontay here slightly okay i i agree foregoing the running backs on the the, the note on tight ends um i uh, i consider i agree that if i miss out on the top tier of tight ends i'm gonna wait and not take a mid-tier tight end i'm gonna take a late round tight end okay i consider hawkinson a top tier tight end though. interesting and i think the reason that I've been drafting him in so many places is because I am so confident that he will be a top five tight end this year. Mm. And you're drafting him in the sixth round, which is very late for a top five tight end. Yep. Um, That said, I think it would be helpful for us to demonstrate light later tight, tight end strategy on the podcast. Okay. Um, And Deontay is the clear end of a tier here where he's the only guy left on the board to me who can finish as a top 12 receiver, or I should say who is likely to finish as a top 15 receiver, right? top 18. Um, So I am happy to lock in Deontay Johnson as the pick here. Okay, let's do it. After Deontay, Mike Davis, Fournette, Sutton, Odell, Claypool, Rogers, Burrow, and Chase Edmonds, who I was hoping would fall back to us Actually, I've been rising on Chase Edmonds, but unfortunately, we will not be able to get him. So uh, our, our team stands right now, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Daryl Henderson as our running backs, and then Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, and Deontay Johnson as our receivers. I feel great about our start. I think we have yep. very solid cores. Um, who are you thinking here? Are you leaning running back, receiver? Um, I think we're, we're probably both... We haven't even talked about looking at, at QB at all, um, and that's because we're both so in on late-round QBs. Yep. For the same reason that we've been talking about, the, the, the tiers at QB are so much broader... Yes. There are more than 32 quarterbacks every single year who finish as a top 12 quarterback in a, in a, in a given week. Um, and because of that, you can stream the quarterback position so, so easily that you don't need to invest the draft capital into a quarterback. That's why we like the late round QB strategy as well as the late round tight end strategy. It's right. essentially the same thing. Right. Just reiterating, you know, kind of just hammering home that point. Yep. Um, I'm sure you realize Hawkinson did fall back to us. Yeah. So I think it's pretty impossible for us not to take him here 
given the other options on the board. You know, Juju, Waddle, Judy, those don't excite me. On running backs, we have Moster, Ronald Jones, Kenyon Drake. I, I, I trust in our ability to find later running back value. Um, do you have additional thoughts there? No. I, I think, uh, although we probably said that earlier in terms of the late tight end strategy with the belief that Hawkinson was going to get taken here, he was not. This is when you start to get a little scary in running back in wide receiver range. Um, this is how it is starting in the the mid-seventh, probably even earlier than that round. Um, let's take Hawkinson. The draft falls to us how it does, and 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 let's move, you know, roll from there. Yeah, exactly. At some at a certain point, you're going to start taking more and more um, of the crapshoots, the, the the lottery tickets, and instead of doing that, you can take a guy who I just said I believe is a, is locked in as a top ten or a top five tight end. Yep. Um, after TJ Hawkinson. Juju, Noah Fant, Raheem Mostert, Ronald Jones, Jerry Judy, Ter- uh, Trevor Lawrence, Mike Sicky, Jalen Waddle, James Conner, Dallas Goddard, Debo Samuel, Kenyon Drake, David Johnson, and Michael Carter, who I was hoping would fall to us. There is a guy on the board that I that I am targeting now. And who's that? It's Trey Sermon. Um, we you just mentioned Raheem Mostert's name. Um, we've talked a bit about this that. The Niners running back room is the definition of, of a crapshoot. Uh, I I can't name off the top of my head right now, but they think there's probably five or six guys on the Niners roster last season that had at least one week of fantasy value. Um, so this is, this is the nature of the Niners running back room. That being said, for me at least, I'm, I'm, I've never really been totally in on Mostert, but for a guy like Trey Sermon, a guy who they seem to like in San Francisco, to get him a whole round after Sermon, that's value to me. And and if if Sermon ends up being the the guy there, and I don't think Mostert's ever ever been that in my opinion. If Sermon is the guy there, that's a offense from a philosophy standpoint that I really want to attach myself to from a running back standpoint. So Sermon is my guy here, I'm interested if there's anything else on, on your board that you like. Yeah, I, I I am totally fine with the Sermon pick, and, and I like, like I talked about when we talked about Sermon, I like him as my RB4. I don't like him as my RB3. This would be our RB4, so I'm comfortable with it. Um, the other running back that I would consider here would be Zach Moss. I don't love him, but he has the upside of sort of stepping up, taking the leap in year two, and, and taking over that backfield. I don't necessarily really believe that that will happen, so I'm, I, I don't need to take him. Um, the only other guy who I have been taking in this range in a lot of mocks is Robbie Anderson. Yep. I love Robbie Anderson this year. I'm super high on him. I think he has the chance to be a top 24 receiver. But I would rather, short because we have three solid running backs and three solid receivers, I'd rather shore up our running back sure. than our receiver. Yep. One other name I will mention while we take a sermon is Damien Harris. Um, yep. Some reports coming out of, of of Patriots training camp that they're really liking how how Harris is looking, as it is for seemingly the past dozen or so years. Figuring out who the running back to own on that offense can be a challenge because they tend to have a crowded running back room. That's the Patriot way. James White is still there. We think he will be getting the passing down work. Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is still is still there. Um, Stevenson. Cam right. Cam Newton is a running back. Yes, Cam Newton's a running back. Um but it is possible that 
the RB1, even if it is not an RB1 in terms of volume, might be valuable in the Patriots, and Damian Harris might be that is what we're saying. Yeah, there, there's... Uh, there's some appeal to him. It's it's just um, difficult for me to take him because I, I think, you know, it, it, even he, I do believe that he's the number one running back on the team, but he could get 20 carries for 100 yards, right. no catches, no touchdowns. That's 10 points. That's not really helping your yeah. fantasy team that much. Yep. Um. Okay, after Trey Sermon, Robbie Anderson got taken, Cooks, LaVisca, um, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, Marquise Brown, Tyler Boyd, and Brady. So now we're in round nine. We... Of, of 12, as a reminder, a yep. little bit shorter draft just for the sake of time here. Correct. Um, there is one guy who is absolutely calling my name. Um, talk to me about him. This So before I talk to you about him, this is where I start looking at quarterbacks. Yep. Because there are three to four quarterbacks who I really like here still in, in this tier, those being Hertz, Stafford, Tannehill, and Deshaun Watson, who will not go in this range realistically. Presumably, yeah. He, he either will go much higher if he is playing or much lower if he is not playing. Um, but just to call out that this is where I would start looking at quarterbacks because there are so many left that I'm willing to take. I am not going to take one here. Um, at running back, Zach Moss and Damian Harris both still fell to us, but almost for that reason, I'm willing to wait on them. Yep. The receivers, there was just a big run, and so I would like to grab um, one of sort of this tier of receivers. Yeah. And the guy who's calling my name is Curtis Samuel. Yep. I think that Curtis Samuel's upside this year is so, so high. Ryan Fitzpatrick feeds his receivers. He's going to air it out. Curtis Samuel's 24. He's ascending. We talked about it in the free agency um, uh, episode. Uh, How do you feel about Curtis? I, I like Curtis and I'm I I'm in on this offense. <laughs> I, I can't believe I read this. I think it was today or yesterday, but there's been reports that Fitzpatrick really likes Adam Humphreys. Um, I, I, saw I don't know if you too. saw that. And that's that is not any death sentence for any of the wide receiver value on this team. Uh, no, take take Terry when you're going to take Terry. Um, it is a little bit disappointing though because Adam Humphreys is not going to be probably a fantasy relevant asset but he's going to be taking away value from a guy like Curtis Samuel. Um, I like Samuel. This is actually a pretty interesting wide, you know, wide receiver tier for me, um, or a couple options here. Rashad Bateman, who might be the one on a very run-heavy Baltimore offense. Who knows about that one? Yeah, I just don't um, trust, and he's a rookie. I just don't trust it. Corey Davis is the one, presumably, on a, a bad Jets team. This is the nature of this tier. You're going to get a guy who is the alpha, the pretty clear alpha on an offense, but on a bad offense where the quarterback is is questionable for at least this season. Um, the fine with with Samuel. The guy who I actually really like here is Mike Williams. I, I am going to be on a Mike Williams this season for the reason that we talked about Keenan Allen earlier. Uh, Mike Williams' issue is never been talent and ability; it's staying on the field, and that is factored into the in, into his value here. Um, I'm a believer in Herbert, and I want to attach myself, generally speaking, to that offense. So, okay with Samuel here, but perhaps if Williams falls back to us in, in the next round, um, depending on what our roster looks like at that point, we'll be a guy I'll be interested here as well, too. Yeah, I, I, I think we should definitely take Samuel over Williams just playing the ADP game. Williams sure. is more likely to fall back to us. Yep. Also, do you have any concern drafting Williams when you already have Keenan Allen on your team? 
No. Uh, taking a guy like, and I'm not sure you can even get this, but taking a guy like Omari and, and CD, if somehow they fell back to, you know, if Cooper was like a late third and, and CD was a very early fourth or something, that's a little bit scarier. But because the gap in uh, draft round is so great for us, it's you, you don't really handcuff wide receivers ever. But I like Mike Williams anyways, and if something does happen to Keenan Allen, and we, we as we said, Keenan Allen has had injury problems in the press in the past. Mike Williams steps into that role, and I think can be that wide receiver, maybe not the alpha, but a strong wide receiver one uh, without Keenan on the team. Okay, we took Curtis Samuel. After that, Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford. So there go our run our quarterbacks: Zach Moss, Gronk. Corey Davis, Deshaun Watson, who was the last tier of that tier, Rashad Bateman, Robert Tunyon, Devin Singletary, Irv Smith, Damian Harris, Logan Thomas, and Michael Pittman, and now we're back on the clock. So now that that tier of quarterbacks is done, I'm totally fine just waiting until the last round, and you know we can talk about our options once sure. that comes. Sure. Um, there's one running back I really want here, and two receivers I really want here, and just to clarify, because we already have Hawkinson, I think you and I are on the same page here that we are not interested in taking a backup tight end. No, no. What? So Mike Williams did fall back to us. Yep. The other receiver that I'm looking at is Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in Antonio Brown at all? Yeah. Um, for for this value of looking at him in potentially the 10th round, this is similar-ish to the Chargers and some other offense we've talked about. This is a, a, a team I want to attach myself to, and I will I will qualify that statement a little bit that there is too many cooks in the kitchen to some extent in Tampa Bay. Um, that's a reason why I'm a little scared of Willie, uh, sorry Evans and Godwin at their ADPs. Um, I do think probably Gronk will be one interesting tight end option at the very at the very back of drafts. Um even in, from a running back standpoint, Rojo and and Fournette are are a confusing duo there to, to try and assess. Um so for this for this cost, um interested in, in in Brown, but for me Williams is the pick here, at least from a wide receiver standpoint. So that's what I was gonna say. I actually think that we should go running back here. Yep. Um and I want A.J. Dillon. Yeah. And the reason I think we should go running back is the same reason I said we should take Trey Sermon. We have a really solid running back core and a really solid receiver core. And in that scenario, if I'm deciding between running back and receiver, I'd rather shore up my running back. Um, I believe A.J. Dillon will step into that Jamal Williams of yesteryear role yeah. where he is you know, flex-worthy. And he also is an elite handcuff if Aaron Jones happens to go down and get injured on a really good offense. Yep, and what I I like the Jamal Williams comparison. I will say that AJ Dillon's a, a monster. So Aaron yes, Jones do does does not have issues getting into the end zone. He scored a gazillion touchdowns last season, if my memory serves. But if they were having problems, the punching. season before was sixteen touchdowns. Okay. This, this past season was only nine, but which is still okay. a good good output. Yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate the correction. Um, but uh, again, if at some point for for some reason the Packers coaching staff, which can be fickle at times, decides that they're having problems punching it in from the two yard line with Aaron Jones, there's a guy whose name is AJ Dillon who has like thighs that are you know 
comparable to Saquon, who is ready to step into that role as well, too. Yep. So we took A.J. Dillon, and, and that also plays into what we've been talking about this entire draft, where, you know, even though Antonio Brown and Mike Williams will not fall back to us, the the receivers in that next tier are so much better than the running backs in yes. the tier after A.J. Dillon yep. relative to their respective positions. Yep, absolutely. After we took Dillon, Antonio Brown did go, then Michael Gallup, Justin Fields, Tyler Higby, who we both like, Gus Edwards, Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, Hunter Henry, and we're back on the clock. We have two more picks, and one of them has to be a QB. So we can either take a QB here, or we can take a QB in the next round and take a running back or a receiver here. Talk to me about who you like in this range. Yeah, um, a guy who has never lived up to expectations, but I continue to look at in drafts every once in a while is Devontae Parker, who is sitting here um, potentially potentially for us. Miami's offense is a bit scary. Um, they took Jalen Waddell. They seem to like handing the ball off to Gaskin. That makes a lot of sense. It's a good. It's a good defense. Control the game. Brian Flores is smart when it comes to when it comes to game planning. Um, but again, similar to the Mike Williams and Antonio Brown discussion, Devontae Parker we know has the talent. Um, he just hasn't shown it, unfortunately, really on a consistent basis. So a guy that I like here, um, one I one player I will mention who to me is very similar to A.J. Dillon, and I think you could very easily argue that we could have taken this player as, as well as Tony Pollard here, um, an elite handcuff, never, even despite reports, has never really shown the ability to have value with Zeke in the lineup, and perhaps that's a reason to go towards A.J. Dillon. Um, we haven't really talked about handcuffs yet. I'm sure we can save that conversation for a future episode. Um, but if you're a Zeke owner at this point in the draft, taking a guy like Pollard um, as insurance, I think is totally viable. Um, that being said, all that being said, I actually kind of like Matt Ryan here. Um, he is probably the top of the next tier. And I know that's a little bit not as attractive, but for me, there is a pretty big distinction and level of comfort between a guy like Matt Ryan and looking at ADP here, a guy like Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Wentz, Fitzpatrick. Trey Lance is interesting. I don't think I could take Trey Lance unless I get the green light from San Francisco that he is starting. I I assume Garoppolo will be there at least week one, and at some point that transition happens. So for me, I like Matt Ryan here. I'm interested to hear what your your take is there. Yeah, so so for me... You know, I feel the same way about the the remaining QBs and receivers. Basically, for QB, uh, I I like Matt Ryan. I'm a little bit higher on Fitzpatrick. Yep. So personally, I'd be okay waiting on QB and then just taking Fitzpatrick at the very end. Um, but I kind of feel the same way about receiver. I have no real affinity to Devonte Parker. Um, I was in on him last year. He didn't really produce. Uh, you know, the the guys that you can get after are so are the same tier if not better than him and so um, I see no reason to take him so what I think would be an interesting strategy that we could employ employ is we draft Matt Ryan here and then hope Russell Gage falls falls Mm. back to us do a little bit of a mini stack in case Russell Gage ends up breaking out sure and while we do that and I think we've taken Matt Ryan now again I want to remind everyone that sleeper is a little bit weird in the sense where I'm looking at Team 7, so the, the team that had the 107, they have Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill on their team. Team 8 has Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. Um, 
I think that's primarily it from a, from a two quarterback standpoint. But at least in the leagues that we play in, Miles, I don't expect teams that have elite quarterbacks like Mahomes to be taking a second quarterback. So with a bit of a grain of salt, the end of this draft for us is is what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, and and I think that works in in two ways. One is that the receivers and running backs might not be as deep here right. as they as as good uh, point good know. point but also on the quarterback side of things right we would expect to be able to get a quarterback better than matt ryan sure in potentially the last round of the draft yeah so it, it sort of works both ways um but definitely you know a, a good thing just to, to keep in mind, mind. absolutely yep. so um we're at we're at our last pick here. After we took Matt Ryan, Naeem Hines, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Darnell Mooney, Tony Pollard, Baker Mayfield, Henry Ruggs. Started the twelfth round, Miko Hardman, Kenneth Gainwell, Trey Lance, Rondell Moore, Evan Ingram, Marvin Jones, Zach Ertz, and now we are back on, on the clock. Russell Gage did fall back to us. You interested in taking him? Yeah, let's go. Um just while we do that, a couple other guys. Um, of, of potential interest there. We mentioned Jamal Williams already as we're taking AJ Dillon, believing that he might take on that on that role. Jamal Williams is also an interesting pick for me as well, too. Um, I have questions about Swift, and if Jamal Williams' role ends up being a little bit more than perhaps expected right now, I think that could be um, some value, at least at this point in the draft. T.Y. is a tough one for me. Um it's really hard for me to figure out who is the wide receiver I want in that in that in that Colts uh, locker room. Um, and if if for example Wentz ends up missing, you know, that four to six weeks that we think Thomas might miss right now, for example, those become pretty unattractive assets for me as well. Yep, I I, I um, fully agree with your Jamal Williams take. I'm, I'm very high on Jamal Williams. Just to, to I I realize we didn't even really explain the Russell Gage pick at all. Um, the one the one stat that I like to throw out is from the bye week on last season, Russell Gage was on a 17 game pace of 140 targets, 90 receptions, a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns, which would be that's a, good right? a, elite. <laughs> that would be elite. So, you know the. the I don't think we're expecting him to produce no. that much, but um, with Julio gone, you know, Kyle Pitts is still a rookie. Um, Matt Ryan's still throwing the ball. Sure. You know, w- w- we're taking the upside shot of Russell Gage potentially, you know, being a very solid wide receiver two to three. Yep. yep. Awesome. So uh, I'll read off our final team. Our starting lineup is Matt Ryan at quarterback. We have Derek Henry and Najee Harris locked into our running back slots. Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb at receiver. Hawkinson is our tight end. Daryl Henderson is our flex. On the bench, we have Deontay Johnson, Trey Sermon, Curtis Samuel, A.J. Dillon, and Russell Gage. Thoughts thoughts on our team, generally speaking? Absolutely love the draft. Yeah. I don't think it's possible, probably, for us to have as good a draft. Um, in real life, you're Some of that will, again, matter in terms of the quarterbacks and some of the, the sleeper AI. Um, but... Yeah, I, I a measure for me to start when I'm looking at my team, and it can't be the only only measure is what is my RB one, RB two, wide receiver one, wide receiver two look like? And in in this case, I could not be more comfortable. I don't think with with my running backs as Henry and Najee, and of course there are better wide receivers, but given the 
where we took those took those players, Keenan and CD as a one and two. Love it, absolutely love it. Yep, I I I think we killed it. Um, and and more importantly, I hope that it was helpful for yeah you as as the listener to sort of hear some of our thought processes, listen to us talk through our decisions and and why we're making some of these yeah. decisions. Yep. Um. And of course, you know, as we progress throughout the off season in the next few weeks, we'll start. I th- I think our plan is to do a full episode on draft strategy and yeah. how we like to construct our rosters. Yep. Um. As well as our next week's episode, which is to get into some sleepers, some breakouts, um, some values, as well as some bust candidates mm. for the 2021 season. So very excited to get into that. Um, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. As always, we hope you enjoyed. You can follow us on Twitter at Dirty Water FF. I'm at Miles Ullman FF. Instagram at Dirty Water Fantasy. Uh, Facebook, Dirty Water Fantasy. And you can check us out at our website where you can get all of the other uh, streaming platforms anchor.m excuse me anchor.fm slash dirty water fantasy any parting thoughts chandler no i think uh really happy with how the draft went awesome to uh to talk a little bit fantasy football here and uh, unless you have anything else i think we'll turn it over to trent thompson one more time <laughs> all right thank you for listening we'll catch you next time for some sleepers breakouts bust and values Feeding them lies while you're dying inside, dying inside.